Geek Card presents Back Issue Bloodbath with your hosts, Andrew Young and Padula Neal. You know what's cool about stories? The endings. You know what's not cool? When there's no ending. And not like a cool, like, never-ending story type thing, but like a, hey, dude, where's my ending? Welcome to Back Issue Bloodbath. I'm Andrew Young. I'm Patul O'Neill. And uh, this week we are going to be looking at abandoned or dropped storylines in Marvel and DC stories. Sometimes it happens. Sometimes you're going along, you're telling this cool story, or you're telling this not-so-cool story, all depending on what it is. And then suddenly it is no longer mentioned in the series you're reading, or the series comes to an end and restarts and there's no mention of it. It happens... And it's happened quite a bit in comics, like so much so that we're going to look at our picks for some of the most infamous ones on that list of abandoned or dropped storylines. So Petula, what's your first offering to the abandoned or dropped storylines dilemma? So first off, listener, sometimes when uh, Andrew sends a topic as a Virgo and former nerd, I go into a spiral of freaking out over preparation. I gotta and jump then, in for a second. Former nerd? Come on now. Okay. But <laughs> I, I feel like, I feel like being a nerd is like so mainstream now. I would need to unlock more levels to <laughs> like re earn okay. the title. It's sort of like how right now the reward points programs for a lot of hotels. They're laddering you back up to before time amount of night stays and spend to get the same level of membership. Mm. Okay. So I'm, I'm nerd, but I just feel like, you know, I will nerdy say, nerds. I will say you've definitely become a hotel nerd yeah, in the past couple yeah. of years. Also, it's... how does one get imposter syndrome about being a nerd? Anyway. Yeah. Point is... <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. I did that one to myself. So anyway, I go down a spiral. Yeah. And, and stay with me, listener. Here's the great thing about racism. There's so many titles mm. that involve people of color that get canceled for whatever the reason, whether it's actually low sales or issues with behind the scenes, perhaps the you know staff is not really ready to properly onboard and work with somebody who has different ideas or a background than them. Sometimes you hire someone and like, because you have nobody who can maybe accurately edit some of their things for cultural contents, people can slide wild stuff in and then you have to fire them because stuff happens. TLDR, after I unspiraled, it's like, oh, there's tons of stuff I love that just like got canceled because black people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to start with something that I have the physical of in my room the world of wakanda series great little six issues roxanne gay it was canceled i believe along with uh the initial tonos and coats run and this was part of what i would call an epic sort of sidecar bag fumbling on the marvel side where whoever the other they is and i'm not looking at you feige or smart brother nate moore because you knew what you had on the movie side but I feel like it's on the merch and the marketing and the the paper side, like Grand Marvel didn't really fully push everything else into gear to be ready for like the first Black Panther movie and to have the ability to collect all the coins off the table. 
So they were going soft on the comics and they didn't have, I'm sure I've talked about this before. I heard there was any merch to find. I couldn't find, but one V-neck t-shirt anywhere in the world that was actually properly licensed. Anything I got was the AO3 or DeviantArt version of Black Panther stuff from other sources. But the obvious, I would think, even if you're going to let the Ta-Nehisi Coates run end because, you know, he's got stuff to do. He like wins awards for writing and stuff. Like maybe he would have stayed on the run forever. Maybe not. But the Roxanne Gay stuff, even if you didn't keep her having the even initial reaction to Io in Civil War with the move where you will be moved, having a title that focuses more on like the broader kind of matriarchal backstory within Wakanda and all the ladies and everything else you could have done what Marvel does so well with so many other titles, especially things like Captain Marvel, where you have like just a series of like other good writers on ladies or not and artists as well to like come in and keep that story going. Mm. So could have done, you know, four to six kind of issue arc after arc. You know, you don't even have to keep it going all year round. You could have like they had the nice little breaks with Black Widow. I mean, not all those were planned. Thank you, COVID. But that was one where I was really like, what What are you doing? What are you thinking? What's going on? And it's not as much now, but definitely more than when we were still in phase. I want to see 2.5-ish. I don't even know where the first Black Panther was. 2018. It was phase three. Was it phase three? It was 2018 phase three? Yeah. Yeah. It was just like a disconnect between sort of getting your arms around both sides of it. So you can get those... I was going to say those, but those people are really me people. Well, actually, in the comics, this is what's happening now. And then you also get the people who just came in and watched Black Panther and literally nothing else. Yeah. So you left money on the table. But, and again, stay with me, listener. Here's the great thing about racism. Because so many titles with characters of color, especially Black people, tend to get started because somebody thinks it's a cool idea. And usually they are cool ideas. But then they maybe, for whatever reason, don't get a chance to flourish they get dropped early, so they often don't even bother to kill them, the characters, or like kill off the storylines. Mm. So they're just there, like waiting yeah, to be it, picked up again. It's a drop storyline. It's a they, yeah. There's no resolution. Yeah. So then, when it comes time to like, what little gems and diamonds can we pull into our new multiverse of media things? Well, now, hopefully, allegedly, maybe we'll be getting like a Wakanda TV show on Disney Plus, and it's virtually untouched kind of material in terms of like the modern era mm -hmm. of building out those other stories in this sort of matrilineal kind of militarization kind of lady monk dora but then also the broader area and the other tribes we haven't seen as much with some of the other female characters as well i don't know if the tv show is going to do fully lean into that but they have abandoned material there and probably a lot of great ideas that they can just use and not even have to worry about trying to fold in too many other characters that they have already used in other movies or plan to use in future movies. Yeah, there you go. So I guess comics loss is TV and movies gain. Yeah, I mean, I would still love to have the comic back. Oh, it of course. It was gorgeous. And I mean, it was still, you know, six, like six good issues. The colors were so lush. A lot of the looks, while not 100% translated to film, like a lot of the color and the textiles and whatever, if you went back and looked at that book, you would definitely see that, yes, they took inspiration from the books that you hear Kugler and others talk about, but also 
just the vibrancy of the colors. This really built on some of the things that they just started to do in the comics from like the still freeze on even before we got into the townhouse coat stuff. And it just really lit it up. Hair, great. Clothes, great. But also like every single cover is like ladies on it and they're just stormalaging it up. It's just good times. There you go. Well, that's, yeah, no, it's definitely, it's definitely a loss that, uh, a bit too quickly, definitely a bit too quickly that that, that series disappeared. Now, my first pick is actually two separate comics, but the situations are so similar that I have to talk about them together. So the first of the two is Daredevil Bullseye the Target, which we talked briefly about in our episode about Kevin Smith. So what happened was Kevin Smith, of course, does Guardian Devil in 1998 and 99, an amazing eight-issue story, rejuvenates the Daredevil brand, launches Marvel Knights. It's awesome. It's also, it's a great debut as a comic writer. Most people look back at it with fondness. Critics loved it. Fantastic. And in it, he has one issue, issue five, where Bullseye appears, has an epic fight with Daredevil, and kills Karen Page. And then he's out of the book. He makes his appearance and he leaves. He does that. And Smith said at the time, I really want to tell the next story when these two characters come together. And Joe Casada said, yeah, you're going to get the chance. You're going get, to get to do it. So then a couple of years go by. And of course, Brian Michael Bendis has his amazing run on Daredevil, which we have covered the first 12 issues of on the show. We may eventually go back and cover other stories from that run. Great run. Takes Daredevil to places he hadn't been before in the comics. And during that run, Bendis put out there in an interview in Wizard Magazine, yeah, in our next arc, we're going to have Bullseye show up and he's going to get involved in the whole fray. Now realizing that he had forgotten that Matt Murdock was Daredevil and all that sort of stuff and really play with that. And so Smith reads this in Wizard and calls up Joe Quesada and says, hey, you said I could do the next Bullseye story with Daredevil. And Joe Quesada was like, okay, yeah, give me a pitch. And he's like, well, I don't have one. And he said, well, come up with a pitch. So he came up with Bullseye the Target. And the idea, it was it's supposed to be is that Bullseye was going to be contracted to kill Captain America. And that Daredevil was going to have to save Captain America's life. At this time, when the issue comes out in November of 2002, which had been almost about one year since he had written the issue, he wrote, he wrote the script for it in November of 2001. And then it came out in November 2002, the first issue. It's the only issue he had written. And in it, Daredevil spends most of the book standing on top of a building talking about how great New York is. Now, of course, he wrote it in November of 2001. So he was obviously thinking about the 9-11. It's like totally understandable. But it was out of character for Daredevil. He didn't mention Hell's Kitchen. He just talked about New York as a great city. I have never heard him go on about New York, ever. Daredevil has always been sort of like Hell's Kitchen. This neighborhood right here, these eight blocks, this is what I care about sort of thing. But the second half of the book was Bullseye getting contracted and to show his abilities, he killed a single mother in the building across by using just a toothpick. It was a weird issue, but fans were still like, I want to see what happens. We're, we're going. Nothing happens because no issue came out. And Smith at the time said it was because, well, Jersey Girl is coming out. Although there was a little bit of, I think Smith was kind of a little bit taken aback by the fan backlash to this issue since he had nothing but love on the first Daredevil thing. So three years goes by. We hear nothing. 
And then in September of 2002, he says, hey, in mid-2006, the book's coming back. And then it never came back. Similarly, around the time that Iron Man hit theaters, John Favreau was asked by Marvel, hey, do you want to write an Iron Man comic? And he said, yeah, I definitely do. And they gave him Adi Granov as the artist, which, of course, Adi Granov, Favreau used Granov's art as the inspiration for a lot of the film. He gave them to the designers, to everybody who designed the suits and everything. It was based off of Granov's art. So it was like, oh, this is going to be a slam dunk home run. And the idea was it was supposed to be Tony was going to be in Vegas and fight Fing Fang Foom. The first two issues came out and then nothing. And again, once again, some people came out and were like, oh, it's because Favreau's so busy. But again, there is a lot of people that believe, myself included, the backlash from fans about the first issue scared him away and made him go, okay, well, after, after I'm not going to do any more of this. It's like people getting scared away by fan backlash, which there's always going to be fan backlash. And then they just didn't finish their books, leaving it hanging. And I it's don't a, know. I don't know. Did, it, did you check out the uh, the... Iron Man Viva Las Vegas when it came out? It was a real, not judge it by its cover. I looked at it, it's pretty, but it wasn't like hitting for me at that time. So I didn't pick any of it up, but it looked, it sure looked pretty. Mm, yeah, and it at surely the time, did. It was very obvious that he wasn't given a set like guideline on if it should be in comic book continuity or its own thing like the movies. Because it wasn't anything like his movie, but it wasn't anything like what was happening in the Iron Man comics either. So it was sort of but like... it seemed like such a no-brainer, too. It's like, Favreau, you may know him from such things as Swingers. Yeah. And mate, like, plus Iron Man, great. Vegas, also, like... Yeah. All of the ingredients were there. And I think it's just, he got gun-shy. He got gun-shy because of fan backlash. And I believe that that's the same case for Daredevil Bullseye the Target, is that I think Smith was surprised because it was the first bit of backlash he had ever gotten for anything he'd yeah. ever written in comics. Here's the thing, listener. I would, and previously did, believe that theory more. Except it's like, then you think, oh, well, good thing he's somewhere safe now where no one complains about anything like Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> so... Here's the thing. If my, if my guy doesn't have the stones to deal with fan backlash, that is not the, you don't get in that direction. I'm not saying, well, you into the hedges. No, but I, you got to think yeah. about it. Favreau then and yeah. Favreau now, totally different Favreau. But a lot I feel more like stuff on his general belt. has been pretty. But I mean, he, under I, his belt, like he's dealt yeah. with so much since then that now he can handle fan backlash. Yeah. Which he yeah. actually hasn't had to deal with much of because there's a yeah. large fan base for the Mandalorian. I do think that most of his career moves had a level of, yeah, why not, kind of fearlessness. So I do think perhaps it was some of that, but maybe it was, you know, just he had a lot going on and we know things can get backed up for weird reasons in the comic book world, including like paper shortages, throw everything off sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, I, I don't think it was 100% fan backlash. I still think if Favreau really wanted to finish it, he would have finished it. Same as Smith. Yeah. Because well, well, no. regardless, regardless. Kevin is definitely yeah. more sensitive by yeah. his own admission. Yeah. He feels deeply and, and is almost too close to his fans in many ways. Yeah. yeah. Whereas I don't see a lot of Favreau like mixing it up, even like back then. That's true. That's true. Yeah. But with Favreau, I think it's very much like if Favreau wanted to finish it, he would have finished it on the basis that Marvel already knew that even if fans don't like it, because Favreau's name is on it, it's going to sell. Yeah. 
Because at the time, people would be like, oh, it's the director of Iron Man writing an Iron Man comic. I'm going to buy it. Or maybe he just saw the kind of money you get on the comic book side. And he's like, listen, I got like an EP credit now in like half of these movies just because I did a good job with the first one. I show up. I get to gain as much weight as I want. They don't make me do the trainer stuff. I get to hang out with RDE every like few years. And I'm getting like thick stacks of paper. Hmm. Why am I like, you know struggling over a script that i have to like come up with a whole script and then break it down into like the amount of words that fit in a panel with somebody's like hunched over like i almost feel like it was just like a roi like for my time as favreau i could be making a kajillion jillion dollars here where i show up for one marvel parliament meeting on a movie that i'm not even doing anything on where happy shows up like once to give tony some burgers or He's <laughs> sleeping over here on a comic book i feel like it was like a time thing that's just my crackpot theory and again it was only after he moved to Star Wars. Because, again, before I was like, oh, he, like, you know, comic fans can be a bit much sometimes. But it's like, if you're scared of fan energy, then, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I just, you know. Well, agree to disagree on that. Yeah. Regardless, yeah. the book disappeared, never got yeah. finished. And yeah. it was one that, to this day, we'll never know if Fing Fang Foo would have been able to control all the Gila monsters in Las Vegas. That's, yeah. Well, there you know. go. So what's next on your list? Well, I have a couple other ones under another one on the same theme of people of color being done a disservice, but then we'll hopefully get them in some other medium soon. One of the many things that went on the giant dirt pile of the new 52, something I've talked about not reading a lot, our homie, Mr. Terrific, who some of y'all may have heard about a bit lately because uh, Mr. Gunn also loves one of the books we did on the show, Strange Adventures. Yeah. Where you see Mr. Terrific looking very eponymous in his awesome fit and just being great as per Batman. You can figure this out even better than me kind of energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So his book was canceled in, I think, early on in that whole new 52 debacle. And it yeah. was at a time where DC ended six of the many, many titles early two of which involved characters of color, actually more, I think, but the only two writers of color, they can them both at the same time with a bunch of other stuff, including the Rob Liefeld book and a couple other things. And Mr. Terrific hasn't gotten much to do in the intervening years. However, again, when you leave a good character like that, either in standalone stuff like Strange Adventures or just on the dirt pile of we tried to reboot everything and eventually it never worked out and then we've rebooted it twice since then you get these gems that are this they're waiting mm. so then when somebody like got who does like really weird and interesting things takes an interest in a character like that it's like i'm not gonna say reparations but it feels like it mm. like a little bit so who knows what could have been for mr terrific on paper or the terrifics if they kept up with any iteration of what they were starting to build back then but honestly i am mad at it in that case because the whole new 52 in general like that just felt like a series of crimes against you know insert marginalized group here it's almost like at the time it just was like one more thing that made me scoff at the whole reboot but now it kind of feels like a gift to future us like some time traveler went back some doc brown said it's okay. You're you're gonna get your reparations later. <laughs> and between that and like all all the chatter about you know all the things that could be done with Static Shock too, like I feel like 
sometimes when certain organizations are going through a rough patch and it's probably just as well that they leave these kinds of characters alone because you know they're going to do something bad if they keep touching them anyway let it rest let's put her on ice cap america style and you know wake them up later yeah, sometimes you got to do that. Sometimes you got to let a, a character go cold completely so they can bring it back nice and hot. Like that book, like the critique came from like all sides. Allegedly sales weren't great, which probably, but we all know there's probably many reasons that could happen. And especially the whole new 52 journals, like let's not blame bad sales on any one title in that whole shenanigan. But some of the critiques on the side of people who would have never liked it anyway were that the people of color in that book were like too good and smart and all the villains were like you know people of non-color and first of all the irony let's look at like almost everything in media up to and including a lot of stuff still now it's Mm -hmm. like oh so that makes you feel bad. Like, okay, you're so close. You're almost yeah, there. Yeah. Now think yeah. about <laughs> all the other times when it's been reversed. How do you think they felt? <laughs> we all have at least heard the Sam Jackson uh, clip from Time to Kill. But but let's remember the McConaughey monologue that led up to that. Right. It's of like, course. Let's, yeah. the closing your eyes, describing the story, and then imagining the reversal of the the folks involved in that crime. Point is, Mr. Terrific. Mr. Terrific. (laughs) Mr. Terrific may end up getting used by James Gunn, somebody who weirdly appeals to like almost like a lot of people, not everyone, but like a lot of sides of the fandom verse, including DC and Marvel fans. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to getting to see him. And one thing I do find that DC does a slightly better job of than Marvel is like when they do revive these characters in the live action they do try to make that paper money and that merch money at the same time so you know this could be an opportunity to get another terrific series going there you go yeah 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 he kind of got a a raw deal in the new 52 Mm -hmm. now another character in the new 52 who was not a person of color but was a person of a different sexual orientation who had good sales and the book wasn't canceled still had a storyline that disappeared. That was, of course, you know, J.H. Williams III and W. Hayden Blackman. They relaunched Batwoman 2011 for the New 52. Issue 17 comes out. It's a big groundbreaking moment. Kate Kane proposes to her girlfriend, her police policewoman girlfriend, Maggie Sawyer. Big moment. A few months go by, a few issues go by, and then it's announced issue 26 that both Williams and Blackman would be leaving the book. They cited editorial interference with a number of ideas they had, but the main was they were told that even though they were allowed to let them get engaged, that Kate Kane could never marry. And the main reason for this, an edict from Dan DeDio on down who said, none of their characters who weren't married could get married because getting married means getting old and our characters ain't going to be old, damn it. Stupidest reason I ever heard. And that at that time, they had it that Superman was once again single. So him and Lois were not allowed to marry either. It was the dumbest thing ever. And so, of course, Williams and Blackman left the book. And when they left the book, sales changed on the book. And it wasn't a top-selling book anymore. And, yeah, just because editorial just couldn't, couldn't help but fuck with things. 
New 52 had a lot of issues, <laughs> uh, but one of the consistent things from either titles that continued or titles that ended earlier, and depending on how much either popularity or influence the different creators at the time, some people just straight out said it was editorial interference, some people implied, but it did appear to be pretty consistent across the board. I think the biggest bummer about that in general is you would think with uh, let's light it all on fire and start all of these things fresh. If anything, that should be when you let people do the most instead of putting all of these constraints. Like what a wasted opportunity and what a way to kind of take what could have been a time to have creators flocking to you and instead just really cement yourselves as a terrible place to work. Yeah. And at that time yeah. they had that kind of ammo right there, man. Yeah. Yeah. Tough. Yeah. Tough, Tough luck. <laughs> yeah. Tough luck there. <laughs> You'll get them uh, next time, Kate Kane. There you go. Yeah, you betcha. Well, as one of my everyone's favorite characters says, I could do this all day. I have a bunch, but I'm going to just do one more. And this is kind of like a Sophie's Choice of which one I was going to talk about. But in this one, it, it feels ridiculous to kind of call us a canceled story line or character. But it's a gentleman we've talked about before. He came out of yet another fun, messy DC, really. Like, they, they got that Marie Kondo meme on lock that I love mess. They came out of the DC arc bloodlines that had, like, introduced just a ton of people who were, you know, only seen once, killed off, like, forgotten. I was looking at some of the names. I was like, I literally don't recognize half of these names. But, like, my homie, the one I have all 61 issues, <laughs> Hitman. Hitman. Came out of that. Yeah. I mean, not every comic book gets to run forever, but I still feel like Hitman should be one of those ones. Like, there was no reason to end it, except literally just loss of interest or getting distracted by something shiny or just, again, editorial. If not even, I would say, interference, but just, like, disinterest. And this was such a fun character. You could cross him over with other people. Had a great sort of regular kind of home base didn't do big things so you didn't have to worry about even his more interesting stories messing up the larger stories outside of his little bar of dirtbags and it was one of the first times like there's other times when I've been reading stuff and I'm like yeah this isn't gonna go for long and that's okay like I know it mm -hmm. as I'm reading it you can there's some that you can just like call you you're like you know this is gonna be a limited run or you're not surprised when it gets canceled yeah but I felt like he's a bro dirtbag that likes to shoot things and has some powers, but like they're not super big powers. Like this feels like the ideal character that like should live forever. This like should appeal to people who hate all of the things that do get canceled more often. So it's not because of the reasons of a lot of the other things I like where it's, you know, color shapes, people wanting to be with people that may have the same parts as them or whatever. None of those reasons. It was just like DC just wanting to hurt me personally. It's like, I took this one personal. Yeah. <laughs> I took this one personal. It was one of the times I was like truly unreasonable. I would go to Fan Expo and just like, dig it. like, is there anything else? Like, are you sure? Like, there's nothing coming out. Like, I would ask people, <laughs> like, have you heard anything? Like, maybe, maybe, maybe they're going to restart it. <laughs> it was truly ridiculous. It's funny. Peter David who was writing Young Justice back in the mid-90s. He did an issue of Young Justice 
shortly after it was either Impulse or Superboy's comic book got canceled. I think it was Impulse's. And it's just Impulse kind of sitting there kind of sad. And Superboy comes up to him and goes, what's going on, man? He's like, oh, man, I just feel really sad. They they canceled my favorite comic book. He's like, oh, man, I hate it. You know, they did that to me, too. Like, I, which got, my favorite comic book got canceled as well. And it sucks. And you know what really sucks is that, you know, sometimes your comic book gets canceled, but then another guy's comic, his favorite comic book just keeps going and going and going. And Robin walks in and goes, what are you guys talking about? They're like, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh my God. That's so good. But yeah, in yeah. the case, the same thing. Hitman, it's just, it got canceled. It's just. Yeah. Born out of, you know, unwatered earth and that bloodlines run where like, let me just throw some names at you. Like razor sharp, cyber rats. Like again, none of, like none of this rang even a single bell. I was like, th- there was a, a story about aliens, like feeding on people and like draining, like, their spinal fluid it was giving inheritors but like make it make less sense jeez <laughs> it was wild oh like had a little peek at a few and i was like no even if i did look at any of this at the time i probably just burn it out of my mind like sometimes i can yeah. legitimately almost read an entire book and like not realize until three quarters of the way through like oh i not only read this before it's somewhere in my house and so now i have two copies oh my god <laughs> that's happened to me before but hitman was just it was a true delight like and i bought issues and trades of that stuff and like i said i would go hunting and like pleading with strangers and fan expo and in front of comic-con just like have you heard anything <laughs> like just denying all logic like i understand facts i understand google's right there but it's one of the few times like if there was every time i like fully kind of could empathize with the whole like Snyderverse crew like that was my time like, I get it. Sometimes you want something so bad, you believe you can will it into existence. And I truly believe that if I just hoped long enough that they would, like, just start up another hit. And I don't want him to appear in something. I want monthly stuff. I want to go to that bar every month. That's what I want. Yeah. And I'm not going to get it. Gonna... I get it. I get that I'm not going to get it. If there was every time I would have got it, it would have been the last like 20 reboots they've done, but like literally everything there. Yeah, of course, of course. And that's the thing that Hitman, it ended soon, but at least it got to go on. The other stuff in Bloodlines was just absolute craziness. So it didn't really go on. And that was the thing early to mid nineties. There was a lot, a Mm -hmm. lot of crazy stuff that's understandable why it didn't go on. And there was some crazy storylines that were dropped during that time. One of which was the teen Tony Stark storyline from the, from the mid nineties where basically Tony Stark turns evil. Turns out he's been influenced by Kang all this time. And so now he's an evil mastermind. And the Avengers got to take him down. But the only way they know how to beat Tony Stark is with the Tony Stark. So they go back to the past and get a 17-year-old Tony Stark, bring him to the future, and train him so that he can face Iron Man. So there's an Iron Man versus Iron Man fight. And in it, evil Iron Man somehow breaks the Kang influence, realizes he's a bad guy, sacrifices himself, to save the day. So now they're left with one Tony Stark again, but it's 17 year old Tony Stark displaced from the past. And they just kind of keep him on the team and different stuff happens. There's the, the onslaught saga during the onslaught saga, of course, all Mm. the Avengers (laughs) 
are presumed dead. But Franklin yeah. Richards had actually sent them to a pocket universe. So when they brought them all back to the Marvel Universe, Tony Stark fully aged up. And it was like, oh, thank God. Okay. Love that sliding time scale. It was all, it was all a Marvel, bad scale. You're messy, but that sliding time scale, y'all use time perfectly. Yeah, so he's all yeah. aged up again. And it was like it was never explained. But fans were like, oh, thank God, I don't really need an explanation. They still came up with an explanation three years later in an annual and somebody asked hey why was tony stark was like a teenager before everybody thought they were dead and now he's back to a full adult and then the jarvis in franklin richard's mind tony stark has always been an adult so when he brought them back to the universe he brought them back in the way that he remembered them and so yeah so i was like oh that's kind of cute but thank god they found a way of getting around continuing teen tony stark stories because that was one drop storyline that i was like i'm cool with that yeah yeah he's dead jim let it go <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's so fun to watch businesses try to make creatives write their way out of shenanigans it's a real meeting of kind of capitalism and fan fiction that the stories behind the stories are sort of retconning their way out of some of these like big swings or just bad ideas that got to go on too long because no one was paying attention maybe yeah yeah <laughs> like well, like the yeah, avengers as a whole were pretty fucked up at that time you had wasp in the body of a wasp type woman you had Captain America dealing with heart issues, so he was wearing all like these harnesses. You had Thor walking around just shirtless, like looking like Fabio. Uh, you had Hawkeye kind of dressed like Gambit. It was a really odd time for them. Yeah. Under honorable mention of things that Marvel stopped doing, that the, I'm going to say old perv in me was like, why not? The Marvel swimsuit specials. <laughs> We did like a whole ep before you became came on the series. We did a whole episode about how cheesy and bad they were. <laughs> I'm not saying they should be brought back in their original format. I am saying I a lot of what I like about the germ of the good idea that's there is probably why I get so into the new Hellfire stuff they've been doing. It's the fits. I love like. <laughs> Them just saying to a couple of artists, like, do whatever you want. So maybe not swimsuits again. And maybe maybe the Hellfire Gala now happening, hopefully yearly, will scratch that itch for me. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that'll satisfy yeah. you. And that has a much better storyline than the story they came up with for the swimsuit issues was every year when the Infinity War or whatever that Infinity thing is, the, 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 the guy who wins decides to have everybody to his island. That was so dumb. That was just bad. But still, oh, that man. they did it for as many years as they did. I mean, it was only like four or five years, but still, it was just, is this happening? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it was weird. <laughs> yeah. It was weird. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, my God. But I, I want to talk about a drop storyline that was introduced in an iconic issue and then never mentioned again for 30 years. And it involves one of your favorite characters, your favorite bad daddy in the Marvel Universe, mm. Professor Xavier. And it's him being a very bad daddy in this situation. Goes all the way back to X-Men number one. And the X-Men are getting ready to go out on their first mission and fight Magneto. And Xavier is worried. And Jean says, no, don't worry, you trained us. And it's like, 
that contradicts the beginning of the issue because Gene just joined the team. So when were they trained? Whereas you trained us, we'll be okay. And he goes, you get in his head, he goes, yeah, I know you'll be okay. He doesn't say this to her. He thinks, yeah, I know you'll be okay because I wouldn't put you in danger. I would never put the woman I love in danger. She must never know that I love her so much. What is the actual line here? It's like, don't worry as though I could help worrying about the one I love, but I can never tell her I have no right. Not while I'm the leader of the X-Men and confined to a wheelchair. Leaves out the part and is like, and so much damn older, and, and she's a teenager, you know? It's and, like, and the power dynamic and yeah. everything else. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. And, and. Exactly. Yeah. I'm a lot older than you. You're only a teenager, and I'm your professor. But, you know, it's the wheelchair <laughs> that is the problem. Totally. Oh, man. So the story's dropped. Issue two, they never bring it up. It's never brought up again until 30 years later. During the Onslaught saga. There's the Onslaught saying again. Yeah, Onslaught on, is just yeah. oof. oof where Onslaught psychically confronts Jean Grey and shows her images from throughout all of Xavier's mind, proving that trying to prove that I am Xavier to him, and shows her that one. And she's shocked. And he goes, oh, I got over it. It's like, well, yeah, it was a good call that that storyline was dropped. Because yeah. it was creepy yeah. then. It's creepy now. Creepy. Yeah. Even back then, again, they obviously don't publish every letter in the back of the comic books. I am 100% sure even fans they might not have expected to point out, dude, no, nah, that ain't it. <laughs> it's like, love what you're doing. This seems fun. You know, Professor, he's giving Telly Savalas. He's going around. He's finding his kids. This is cool. However, I have some notes. And, and you still got to wonder. It's like someone wrote that somebody ink that like they drew it went like editing stanley and jack Kirby. Like, yeah so many people <laughs> yeah that was in my long list and i'm like i'm not even gonna bring that up like that's that's creepy even for me so thank you for, there you go yeah. yeah all the way back to yeah. 1963 the first issue of the x-men a drop storyline and thank god it was and you there. know what i love about that you did it this time i did you it this time. I thought, there I, so many I bad brought it up. I brought it up yeah. to pop you. That's what I did. I brought yeah. it because I knew you'd appreciate it. There you go. I love it. I love that for us. I love how much like when you talk about Daredevil now, like I perk up all interested, like how you've indoctrinated me into like friendly boy Matt. <laughs> I fully like inception you into like Charles is a bad daddy. I'm just going to find a reason to like bring it up every episode. There yeah. you go. There you go. Well, I saved you the trouble this week. Uh, but yeah, yeah, we'd love to hear from you people out there about other drop storylines that you remember and especially the ones that you'd love to have found out the ending to or what they were planning to do. That would be great. Send us an email at geekcardshow at gmail.com and put back issue bloodbath in the subject line. If you send it to us and you say it's okay to read it, we'll read it on a future episode. And right there. or special for me, if you have written your own fan fiction to finish up the story that was abandoned, let me know because I love Bill. There you go. There yeah. you go. Mature or explicit rating only, please. Thank you. <laughs> there you go. So uh we go to the end of another episode of Back to Blood Bad Patula. Where can people find you? At Inatif.com on Twitter and Hive at Obesakantawit, O-V-E-S-A-C-A-N-T-A-V-I-T, and here with you. Of course, you find everything I do over at geekheartshow.com. Follow me on Twitter at geekheart. Follow this very show on Facebook at Back Issue Bloodbath, where we post a new episode every week. Easiest way to make sure you don't miss an episode is subscribe to us on your podcasting platform of choice. And while you're there, leave a five-star rating and review because it helps with the analytics. And 
We want more people to know about us so that we can spread the great word of bad daddyism, I guess. All right. Well, anyways, this has been Back Issue Bloodbath. I've been Andrew Young. I've been Patricia O'Neill. Have yourself a good. <laughs>